So back in 2020, I, Steven Schinder, started a podcast called Delayed Replay, recapping and reviewing the latest films. However, it got broadcast into an alternate universe, where those films got delayed and came out differently from how I was describing them. Because of how me and my guests had been describing the films, people in that other universe were saying that this was all an improvised comedy podcast, which, listening back, I can totally get why they believe that. A lot of weird stuff happened in that first year, and I even met my other self from that other universe, who pops in from time to time, for better or worse. And now, in the year 2023, this podcast continues, still recapping and reviewing movies and sometimes some other things that got delayed or cancelled in that other universe. New episode Saturdays, every other week, unless I decide otherwise for some special reason, or whatever. You are listening to Delayed Replay, Season 4. Hey everyone, this is Steven. Uh, before we start this Captain America Brave New World episode... Uh, of course, the title changed because of sensitivity reasons, and it was already the name of a Falcon and Winter Soldier episode anyway, so very understandable reasons. Um, just a heads up that after the discussion, so like an hour in or so, there will be uh, the other Steven from that other universe where things got delayed and uh, different things like just came out, and he'll be talking uh, mostly non-spoiler, like non-spoiler thoughts on Doom Patrol and that show ending, that DC show, and then non-spoiler thoughts on the Marvels um, for a bit before going into spoiler thoughts on that, and then non-spoiler thoughts on Loki and the series ending, and then in his universe, and then... Um, uh, after that, I think he's also going to mention a little bit about the two new episodes of Invincible from its second season, and then talk about a trip to see The Room with a couple friends. Again, non-spoiler thoughts, so uh, check the timestamps in the show notes for all that, and without further delay, enjoy the show. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we recap and review movies that got delayed in that other universe but came out on time in our universe. I'm your host, Stephen Schinder, and joining me, um, it's you may have heard him on the Tomorrow War episode a while ago. I was blanking yes, on the title, <laughs> but uh, it is Austin Bennett. Uh, What's up, gang? Yeah, Steven. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're a really good improviser, and you know what they say about improvisers? They make good conversationalists. <laughs> yes, that too. Good conversationalists. Yeah, I actually don't know if people actually say that. I literally just lied and made that up, so, you know. Um, yeah, which, you know, I did too, but that just puts us into a a spiral of if, if a liar lies about lying have oh, they yeah. lied from the book of saw yeah um go. so this time we're talking about captain america brave new world which on this podcast i think 
I've done like four or five or six Marvel things in a row lately. So like that's wild. Marvel kind of needs to just stop or maybe Sony just needs to stop and it's yeah. <laughs> um, How dare you stand in the way of capitalism, sir? How dare you? <laughs> I'm we... a strong proponent of lowercase ism. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but we don't we don't watch Marvel because we enjoy it. We watch it because we have to. Yeah, we'll die if we stop watching. Um, speaking of which, I, I sort of have this thing where sometimes I'll like make a meal and then, or I'll heat something up real quick to eat, and then I'll feel like I I can't start eating it until I figure out like what I want to watch on my TV. And it takes me a while to figure out what I want to watch. So it's like I'm yeah, starving. Yeah. Have you been in that situation? Absolutely. I I think that the rule is you get like one or two preliminary bites, but then it feels <laughs> wrong to start eating because you're eating your food, but aren't watching something. And obviously we have to do those two together. You get caught, you know, scrolling through Netflix, trying to find something that's worth watching. Yeah. It's much like when, uh, seeing this movie in the theater i felt like i couldn't eat my giant captain america bucket of popcorn until the trailers were over so i was sitting there for like 20 minutes and i was like oh, i really want to eat this and then once the movie started that bucket was done and like but by, by the time the first act ended as far as the first act okay because i feel like i like wait for the trailer sure but then once the movie starts we're gonna power through this popcorn out of my out of my Captain America helmet. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, um, what's your overall like how did you get into Marvel and Captain America specifically as well? I grew up as a classic nerd. Uh the thing of all of the the old the old tropey nerd things. So I'm not an I'm not an anime guy, but it, you know, your your superheroes and your and your physics stuff and uh, your your Dungeons and Dragons, that's kind of all my jam. So when, you know, when, what was it? It was 2008 when uh, Iron Man rolled around and yeah. we get, hey, the hero comic book movies and they're just going to be kick-ass. Yeah, absolutely. And I was on board for the the vast majority of it. There was there was a point at which after the, I was at the Disney buyout was sometime after that. Yeah, uh, if that was like 2010, 2011, something like that. Yeah. And I think I, I've been really on board up through Infinity War, but there there is also a point at which, you know, it it does get saturated market wise. When there's just there's just a new show every quarter. There's new show, new movies, new something. That at some point we need a refresher. We need something that'll really get the wheel spinning again. And you know, hopefully, uh, Brave New World does that for us. Uh, and uh, so it's nice to nice to watch that. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes with the with the things that we've that we've set up in this movie. Yeah, like there were Marvel shows going on at the same time as the movies, but I think for some it didn't feel as saturated. You know, the Netflix stuff, like because it wasn't as connected. But with the Disney Plus stuff, it's like they're trying to make everything connected, uh, which brings us into falcon and the winter soldier uh what'd you think about that series i it, if we're gonna be really honest about this i thought it was <laughs> fine uh okay we like you know it's great that bucky's got his ptsd uh and it's great that that uh sam's got this kind of 
issue of, hey, how do I take up the mantle of Captain America? Now, call me crazy. I feel like there's this overall question of like, boy, who should be the next Captain America? When we're pretty directly told, like, if Captain America comes to you, hands you the shield and says, hey, you're the next Captain America. Like, you're the next Captain America. That's not a that's not a hard question to ask. So, of course, there's the corporate thing of them wanting to get, you know, new PR on it and get this whole U.S. agent thing. Uh, but I feel like it's either going to be Bucky or it's going to be uh, Sam. And if he's past his Sam, have it be Sam. Yeah, I'm very much with you on that. Um, I do think that, you know, I remember after Endgame, a friend of mine was upset that Bucky didn't get the mantle because it's it was almost like saying oh bucky is broken he can't become something else but i feel like the show dealt with some of that at least to an extent and it introduced some interesting ideas um it did have some pacing issues here and there but i liked some of the messages that it had and the themes Uh, weirdly since in that other universe you know where things got delayed or shifted around um some things got cut out of the show in that other universe. Whereas over here, there was stuff like the bioweapon and a virus. And some of that kind of carries yeah. over into this new movie, Captain America, Brave New World. Yes, which we do get from seeing the way that the, the leader is doing his stuff. Um, and just, I mean, having having Bucky and, and the, uh, the guy that we saw from... Um, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Isaiah Bradley. There we go. Yeah. Um, having the super soldiers around. But I mean, that's always been, that's something Marvel's been building for a really long time, even in the comics too, is that there's there's decades of history around things that exist because of the super soldier serum. Like, and that's, that's part of why the Hulk exists is yeah. that it wasn't just any random gamma radiation or at least this is the storyline that they've kind of retconned back in at later points was it was the all of the little factors that went into the super soldier serum and one of them was this gamma radiation thing um that that got the hulk all worked up and in so so yeah getting all those pieces back together although i do have to wonder i have to i do have to wonder sam wilson okay he's pararescue awesome great so he's kind of like uh like a you know, a junior Navy SEAL, uh, minus the minus the killing, uh, and he's got this right. cool jetpack, right? You know, he can fly around, he can shield himself, whatever. Uh, what does it mean to be Captain America? Do you just need the shield? Do you just need to be strong and fast? Because he's not super. We see this uh, consistently through the movies. He's not super. Hawkeye's not super. Hawkeye's, you know, you're going to put Hawkeye on Overwatch, have him shoot down some bad guys. Uh, Sam Wilson is going to fly around. Sam feels like he is the sidekick. He needs, he could be part of a duo at best, I would argue. I'm curious to see whether Sam is able to continue holding down movies as a standalone hero. Yeah, because in this movie, they still lean on the buddies aspect, you know, um, he and Bucky are traveling buddies, basically, in this, which is pretty much what they've always been since they first, you know, as far back as Civil War, you could argue. And it's a fun dynamic, but at the same time, it is a good question. Like, 
can Sam stand on his own as Captain America and can Bucky grow on his own as a character without this buddy dynamic? It's really something that moving forward, like now that you bring it up, I'm very curious to see, you know? Absolutely. And then to challenge them is we've got uh, an enemy that is something you can't just punch in the face is you've got Tim Blake Nelson as the leader. So, and as we know, the leader is a super intelligent, uh, he's human who gets mutated by events that we saw in the Incredible Hulk. And he has now come back as the bobbleheaded, the leader. Is is he the, the leader? Or is he the, or is he the leader? I think that he is the leader. Yeah, I... I think they kind of go back and forth between uh, pronunciation in the movie. Kind of like how in Batman movies, you'll hear some characters say Batman or the Batman. So I don't know which one is the correct one in this film, at least. Um, Yeah, if I recall correctly, if you're talking directly to him, you call him leader. And if you're talking about him, he is the leader. Right, yeah. And uh, I'm an incredible Hulk defender, personally. I thought it was a pretty good movie. And it still baffles me that even after all these returning characters played even by the same actors, people will still be like, oh, yeah, the Incredible Hulk movie, that's not canon. And it's like, are you stupid or something? <laughs> like, not yeah, to I'm be sure. mean, but like... I don't Probably know that it didn't is. link up with anything, just because they didn't... That I mean, that argument is like saying that uh, that uh, uh, Moon Knight isn't canon simply because it doesn't really interact with anything else yeah. in the in the MCU world. We know that uh, we know that at the end there is a I, was it a cutscene? Uh, not cutscene. Was it a cutscene at the end? Because he talks to Tony Stark at some point. Tony Stark comes and gets him for Avengers Initiative, if I recall correctly. Or no, it's it's Ross. Uh, Tony talks to Ross and says, we're putting a team together. Yeah. And then after the Avengers, they had to retcon the context of that so that if it like the fact that they went out of their way to make a short so that that Incredible Hulk ending could make sense with the Avengers just it tells you like all you need to know that they really wanted to fit with everything else. And therefore it's in continuity, you know. Yeah, and that's all that we really need for it to be consistent. Yeah, and another uh, returning character, uh, you mentioned Thaddeus Ross. You know, he used to be played by the late William Hurt, but now Harrison Ford has taken the role. Uh, What do you think of his take on the role in this movie? I really love what he's doing. I I love what Marvel's doing with that, but I also love uh, Harrison Ford as it. Because, you know, we know that as Harrison Ford has gotten older, he's been able to be this gruff dude. Uh, but he also brings a real heart to the character. Uh, whereas earlier earlier versions of Ross have always been the kind of, I mean, like J. Jonah Jameson style, where he's just, he's just an antagonist. He is just, that's his whole thing. Um, but it's really great to have, uh, to have, um, uh, how did I just forget his name? Uh, the actor. Harrison Ford. Uh, Harrison Ford. There we go. Yeah. Um, I had William Hurt in my head. I'm like, no, no, Harrison Ford. <laughs> Harrison Ford with a with a fantastic mustache, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my hat off to the props team. Costume team. Yeah, he costume definitely makeup, didn't makeup grow that. <laughs> yeah. A magnificent. Uh, if that was that's what that's what the Snyder cut 
uh, Superman mustache should have been. Should have been just that magnificent piece of art uh, that was on top of Harrison Ford's lip. Uh, yeah. Honestly, we could put that thing in a display case. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I really love having Harrison Ford. He brings a real heart to the character that we we've seen throughout his career. You know, Indiana Jones that we've seen uh, for that we've seen with Han Solo. Uh, not that those are the only roles that he's done, but even even the more serious human roles like like uh, Jack, um, not Jack Reacher. Um, he's in uh, the the Tom Clancy the. Oh yeah, I know which one you're talking about, but I've never seen it. So, uh, um, but yeah, and and like six different actors have all played that role, and yet Harrison Ford is one of the ones that we remember because uh, he brings this idea of he's this rough rugged dude, and so if he is this, you know, five star general Thaddeus Ross, yeah, we want to we we get to see someone who is yeah he is a five star general, but also he is someone who has this understanding of who is the Hulk of of who is his daughter betty he's got he's got a reason to be here and so then he now has to deal with this other superhero in some ways he almost is a we could almost see him as a stand-in for um for nick fury because in all the previous movies nick fury is the guy with the plan he's the he's the the guy with the eye on everything well now we have ross who is coming in and he's got pieces in places and he's looking at sam wilson he's looking at buck and he's like what are you guys gonna do for me because now i got a world stuff is going crazy um we've got tim blake nelson and his giant bobblehead how are you guys gonna help me and so but seeing seeing their relationship just i mean as in some ways just as frenemies throughout the throughout the movie uh was really great and so i really love harrison ford's take on it yeah and with harrison ford it's easy to imagine, you know, the gruffness. So going into this, I was expecting him to just be, you know, typical grumpy old man type character. But like you said, he does bring heart to the role, especially when he talks to his daughter, Betty Ross, played once again by Liv Tyler after all these years. Which and, is great, having as much continuity there as possible. Yeah, and the relationship like feels very believable like it feels like it's the same characters as before and you can tell that like he cares about her and there's a part of him that still feels guilty about um the stuff in the past you know with him going against her boyfriend at the time during the incredible hulk and even like the aftermath of that like years later so he kind of in a way feels like a man out of time well do i need to adapt to some of the changes going on here or do i need to stick to my guns like i used to so it's like he has like his own dilemma that i feel like people of older generations can kind of relate to in a way absolutely now what do you think about um like we were discussing uh sam wilson and bucky kind of being the the traveling buddies duo but now we also have a new Falcon. Now we've got Joaquin Torres. Uh, what do you think about that? What do you think about the way that they pushed him in? Because do they work well as a trio? Do they work well as as more of a devil, do you think? It's hard for me because I'm so used to seeing uh, Anthony Mackie as the Falcon. So yeah. um... <laughs> do they do they have to do they have to learn to respond to different names? So, you know, yeah. uh, Steve Rogers has been Captain America for so long. People call him Cap. 
like whatever great awesome so if he's falcon uh sam but they just i mean they just call him sam whereas all the others are like you know well, now that I'm thinking of it, does anybody call Hawkeye Hawkeye? They do. Uh, I, they do I like the like fan it's... characters. We're like, oh yeah, you're Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Just Natasha, Nat. Nobody is like you're the Black Widow. Right. Yeah, I feel like she's probably got that code name, but it's not said like to her face, really. But yeah, yeah. so it makes sense that. But now, if if Anthony Mackie is still, he's still Sam Wilson, so he's still Sam, but. And on top of being Sam, he also now has the shield. So he's now Captain America. Number one, is he a captain? Number two, is he Captain America or is he still the Falcon? Because he's still got wings. And if he's still the Falcon, then what are we supposed to call? Uh, what are we supposed to call this new guy? Just call him Joaquin? Is he the new Falcon? Do you call him Falcon? Yeah. And there's even a moment where, uh, you know, Harrison Ford as Thaddeus Ross is like, Okay, so you used to be Falcon. I'm calling this new one Millennial Falcon. And yeah, you know, just a reminder. Which was a great, that, uh, the, yeah. great laugh in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> like with Marvel movies, there's always at least one like huge chuckle moment in the theater, you know? Yeah, they do a lot of a lot of fan service, but you know, it's a, it's good fan service, you know, or they, at the very least, they're building their own fan service. Right. And I was also surprised, you know, like, we didn't see this coming at all. But at, at least in our version of the movie in our universe, there was the reveal that Doc Samson is also in the movie, you know, played by Ty Burrell in the Incredible Hulk movie. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he also gets gamma radiation at some point, And it's his powers are dependent on how long his hair is, which is kind of funny but uh, i i've heard that people found that whole joke throughout this movie to be grating but what, what was your feel on that honestly if you're gonna include a smaller if you're gonna include a smaller character great that's awesome i do feel like it would uh you know you'd think it would take longer for for his hair to grow out that was a little surprising that it just grows like that it's almost its own superhero it's, uh, not its own superpower there really uh, how fast his hair grows. Uh, I wish that I had those luxurious locks. Yeah. Uh, I used to have long hair in high school, and then I kind of got tired of it. Um, I don't know if I can grow it long again. I've just never felt the need to try. I'm just comfortable just keep it short, you know? Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this, because there were, there were a couple of interesting plot things that I thought uh, potentially help the movie so we've got this idea of we got superheroes who who are real good at punching things in the face we know who the falcon is the falcon is a get in there and and cause a ruckus hero whether that's new falcon or old falcon uh millennial falcon <laughs> but they're up against the leader they're, they're up against a guy who i mean you could kind of think of him as as like the the newer batman riddler is that he's a villain who is not going to try to get in front of you because all you got to do is punch him in the face and his giant bobbleheaded face. Uh, but he is still causing a ruckus, so he's going to send you going around the world. So he sends these guys, they're going after the Spear of Longinus, uh, and they're time, not time hopping, what am I saying? 
and they're, you know, location, uh, globetrotting. That's the word that I'm looking for. So they're going after the spirit Longinus because the leader wants to protect himself physically. So he has sent them on this wild goose chase. They got to do this thing. Um, so what do you think of that as uh, like, he's a hero who's got to do a thing, but also he's not trying to help the bad guy, but you've still got this dumb fetch quest uh <laughs> we'll call it a dumb fetch quest for all of that you know it's it's like in a in a cop movie when the when they get the phone call and he's like you've got 12 minutes to get downtown click and it's like okay well now the now our 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 buddy cop duos have 12 minutes to get downtown and try to find the bomb right yeah i thought the globe trotting globe what i say globe trouting like trouts are involved i thought the globe trotting aspect it felt kind of like they felt like they needed to make it a global thing because it's like oh we gotta make it bigger up the scale when really that's like one of the criticisms that people level against marvel movies which is when it feels like it escalates into a whole save the entire world thing people just sort of check out um and it kind of feels like they made it a global thing because of the title you know brave new world like world is in the title so we got to go around the world and whatnot and we saw that too in in the shows and that oh we're in sokovia oh well now we're in america oh well now we're in and i mean you could say the same thing about uh any of the transformers movies you could say the same thing about oh, yeah. i mean james bond is the classic um I mean, even more recent things like like John Wick, where he's going from New York City to now he's now he's in uh, now he's in Morocco and now he's in Rome and yeah, it seems that the globe trotting is like a, a big portion of it. Just to arbitrarily have our heroes like, well, looks like we're headed to insert new location, and then we we cut to that location. Yeah. We've got an establishing shot. We've got a little the, bit of ethnic music. The giant letters again, like in civil war, which I, I thought we were done with, but I was so annoyed with, but they came back and I was like frustrated here. <laughs> yeah. Because you need that superscript along the bottom. Back at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. And um, with leader, I kind of like how they explain that during the snap, you know, years prior to this, he escaped the prison that they put him in because all the security there, you know, the guards and whatnot were, uh, they disappeared because of the snap. So he was easily able to escape and he's been biding his time, you know, coming up with the perfect plans and finally set in motion during this movie, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy just, just springs out like a Jack in the box um yeah which does make you wonder i just as a general point and i wonder this about the marvel universe is we get we get some little talks about the blip and people talking about you know like in in spider-man it turns out that a couple of them have to go back to school but despite being five years older than everybody else yeah. um, or or younger or whatever um and uh it kind of does make you wonder that there's 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 a lot more that should have happened a lot of people that are going to die because suddenly you're you're on a on an airplane and suddenly your captain disappears. When that captain reappears, where does he re does he reappear? Thirty five thousand feet in the air. You know, <laughs> there's plenty of prisoners in that prison who weren't able to telepath their way out of the of the prison. 
Um, and just the guy who knows that they're there and is supposed to be giving them lunch uh, disappears. Do they starve? Flip had a lot of negative fallout that we haven't really ever gotten to discuss. Yeah, with the snap and the blip, like there's a lot of fuel for fan fiction, and I'm sure lots of fans are really tapping into all that, but the official on-screen stuff itself is only scratching the surface with all of that, and it's like, wait, no, this is like, you could make an entire TV series set during this time period, like just normal people dealing with this sort of thing, you know? I know, uh, was it i think it is an end game that we see a little bit of a oh the um, support group uh, the support group yeah yeah but that's kind of like saw 7 where there's a jigsaw survivor support group but they don't really do as much with it as they could have in a way interesting yeah. i feel like that would not be a very big group <laughs> Well, apparently there are like some games that happened off screen. So I, I think in the movie, there were at least a dozen people at that support group, which is kind yeah. of strange. I feel like that, that that would be more of a uh, less of a trauma thing and more of a celebration thing. Like, you know, you know that they go to that thing and they got steak and lobster and they're, <laughs> they're just like, hey, what up? We made it through. Yeah. High five, everybody. Yeah. Uh, this movie also introduces sabra and this was a character that you know when announced there were people um you, you know like this character in the comics at least has drawn criticisms from people of israeli and palestinian backgrounds and you know with things being what they are uh things were kind of awkward with the movie but what what do you think of how they handled the character and try to make her something that wasn't the stereotype that everyone was worried about honestly i think that's kind of an impossible challenge especially with everything that's going on right now if they had delayed this movie to next july maybe they could have figured something out but they released it when they released it and we get to view the we get to view the fallout right yeah. um i i think that it's in it's i'm I mean, almost the best word that I can think of is to say interesting choice. But at some point, a superhero is a superhero, and sometimes they're they're kind of interchangeable. I actually am not familiar with Sabra as a uh, as the comic character. Can you tell me is there anything that I, that they should have put in? I, as far as I saw it, she was just kind of a, a Superman, Wonder Woman esque stand in. Right. So from what I understand in the comics, she's kind of like a spy. And uh, apparently there's like an Israeli spy stereotype that um, wouldn't have flown with some people. So to make her more like Superman or Wonder Woman, I think was a step in the right direction. Um, but at the same time, it kind of feels like, you know, at the last minute that they've may have it kind of feels like they cut out some of her stuff because they were maybe sort of timid and afraid of doing something wrong but the end result is that we barely learn anything about her in the movie we just it just sort of gets chalked up to you know they ask oh what's your background and she says that's classified and it's like she's this um superhero i guess diplomat type character that we don't really know that much about yet at least as far as this movie goes 
Okay. Yeah. And then here per the per the Wikipedia, it's saying uh superhuman strength, speed, agility, reflexes, endurance, stamina. I'm like, yeah, so you've got the you've got the the standard list. Okay. Um, but that in some ways we could say that that just kind of helps blend in with the the ongoing issue with with super soldiers that we've seen from the past couple of couple of movies is is you know to to introduce a new totally new hero with a totally new set of of uh, skills with a new set of abilities then you're kind of running into issues we have with black adam is now we've got okay who is this person and what can they do and why and you know what what are the limitations instead of having to worry about that we just get to see okay you're strong fast durable boom okay i understand exactly who you are what's your background classified great uh that's all that's all we really need yeah like i feel like there are definitely people more qualified than myself who would say okay this is how you do it right or maybe they'll be like oh it's an impossible task so i really don't know like this movie is so fresh for us right now but i feel like in the coming days we'll see like some online discourse in our universe about whether it was done well or whether it wasn't and i think that'll probably influence how they handle the character moving forward and as we know the internet is a place uh, full of people who are uh, reasonable and well balanced <laughs> and won't have any issues discussing things uh peaceably right. yeah that'll, that's gonna that, i think that's gonna work out great um <laughs> But thankfully, that is that is a very small portion of the movie and doesn't have a, a huge extent on the rest of the uh, interaction, though. Um, although I am curious to know what you think about. I mean, obviously, we've we've had a couple of movies that are leading up to the Thunderbolts. And now we've got just I mean, this is the last domino before we get that, because that's coming. Think about this being a being a just a direct setup to that. We need a we need a new Avengers team. Here we go. Yeah, it's, you know, they they tease us because throughout the movie, you see like a red serum and it's like, okay, we all know where this is going, but they pulled a fast one on us. It wasn't Thaddeus Ross who got it. It was Betty Ross. So now she's going to be like Red Hulk. And it's like, wait, what? Like, I was not expecting that. But at the same time, I feel like I should have expected that, you know? Uh, yeah, but but you know, I like that they're giving us new uh, new lady heroes. I mean, Harrison Ford, you know, like there's a rumor that like he wasn't really into the idea of playing like a like the stereotypical superhero type. So it kind of feels like he passed on it, and then they're like, oh well, we could just you know have her do it, and you you know they very well could have had someone else do the motion capture for thaddeus instead of harrison ford but i feel like this you know having betty as like a red hulk opens up some possibilities and makes things a bit less predictable yeah and that also i mean from from the from the outside if we're if we're looking at this as a from a producing standpoint that also opens up possibilities because if we're being honest harrison ford is what is this 81 years old he's 81 if we're looking to have him be in the next in the next couple of movies he's not in shape to be doing heavy action stuff anymore uh granted in the i from what i understand in the making of the the newest uh indiana jones he did great you know heck i hope that i get to 81 at all much less you know even being as as fit as he is 
That being said, he's still 81. There is, there's no reason to, you know, if he were to kick the bucket in the next couple of years, we can't really be surprised. Yeah. You're Marvel. You want to get as much, uh, get as much security in your actors as possible. Yeah. And I mean, William Hurt, bless him. uh, They basically went through that with him. You know, he passed away and um, they had to figure out like what to do next. And I'm sure that like, you know, whenever any actor gets like to their 80s, it's kind of surprising at all to have long term future plans. I mean, case in point, William Hurt was 71. Yeah. Um, so I think this really opens up possibilities for like where they could go and hey, maybe Betty and Bruce could make it work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what is what is red and green together? It's kind of a kind of a brown, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, that's strange. Yeah, um, See, not Doctor Strange. To the, but... According to the internet, red and green together make. Yep, it's a kind of brown color. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, what do you think of some of the other stuff that this movie set, sets up for Thunderbolts? Uh, I really like the idea of just just having a having an anti-hero team. I think that that's really interesting because we're looking at, uh, at obviously, Brave New World. We're looking at a place where things are now complicated, and I think that's a, that that's something that Marvel has uh, shied away from a lot in the past. Uh, even even as recently as Falcon and Winter Soldier, is you have this idea that these people were wronged, and they're trying to get some action on it. That action can consistently doesn't happen up until the point where they start engaging in violence. Uh, which by definition, that is what a terrorist is. That is a, it, it is somebody who yeah. uses uh, violence to engage in, in political, uh, to, to engage in political discussion. But we see it from the side of these two characters who get in there and they understand what's going on. And so one of the people are like, ah, these guys are terrorists. And this repeated line of like, hey, don't call them a terrorist. Wh- why not? What are you going to call them? You're going to call them a freedom fighter? Like what is, what is this? So now we have this direct lead up that we've got this world that is more complicated. You've got a Captain America who isn't, you know, super set on what's happening all the time. You've got a guy who he's not even he's not even super. He's just got a suit and a kick ass shield. Um, but so now we've got a team of people who are, you know, hey, you're going to go do things that need doing. But that's made up of uh I mean, look at this ghost who is uh, who was killing people that wronged her. You've got U.S. agent who wants to do the right thing, but is real fascist about it. You've got the new Black Widow who was an assassin until she wasn't anymore. Uh, You've got Red Guardian uh, and you've got Taskmaster. So you've got people with a real checkered past and now kind of a suicide squad situation where there's something that needs doing. And uh, you got to go do it. Let's go kill our giant starfish. Yes. <laughs> you know, we go home. We we go kill our giant starfish. Cities in wreckage, and shawarma's already taken. So uh, I guess at the end we'll have a we'll have a scene where we're all getting chili dogs. Yeah, like there's definitely like some gray areas to explore, and 
I mean, in Marvel, there's like so much going on with like the government related stuff. Like you, you've got like the Sharon Carter stuff and you got, hmm. you know, even the stuff that carried over from the show um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, with Isaiah Bradley, you know, his appearance here really strengthened that connection. And again, like the bioweapon from that show, but you know, yeah. you and I, we, um, we've seen the show. So we have this perspective of like, okay, the connections, like in this movie that connects to the show, but do you think anyone who hasn't seen the show would be lost going into this if they skipped it? For the most part, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that it's, it's okay. Cause they, they definitely do a good job of introducing the ideas of, of Sam as Captain America right at the beginning is he's going to be a different Captain America. He is not a man who is out of time. Um, uh, not out of time, meaning, you know, running short on time, but out of time, meaning he's he's not a man who has to understand this this world. Right. Uh, he's a man who has to deal with things as they are and that things are unfortunately not complicated uh, uh, or no other way around. That unfortunately things are complicated and not straightforward. That honestly, if we, uh, that has actually always been one of my major criticisms of Superman, um, Superman and Superman movies is that Superman was invented in the 30s uh, as he was supposed to be a hero fantasy. That was the whole entire point of Superman. And even yeah. up you know, into the 70s, not to say that the world was complicated, but that you could still tell the story of a man who is able to fly down and save the day. And what, is, you know, what does that mean? Great, save the day. Awesome. But post 9-11... We look at the at the, the at the terrain of Hollywood. You look at at the stories that we tell, and we don't tell stories like that anymore. We don't look at the stories that we tell. We don't trust people that are here to save the day. You look at you look at things like Watchmen. Look at things like The Boys. Look at things like um, uh, I mean I mean even even Batman is this idea that if somebody flies down all shiny and and chrome uh, to save the day, what's his secret? What does he know? What what what's your what's your deal? You like there's always some other there's always some other thing. And he saves somebody. Even look at something something that's made for families like The Incredibles. Great, he's a, he's here. He's going to save the day. Awesome. He uh, he gets rid of a bomb and and he saves a saves a train full of people. And what do they do? Well, the guy who was trying to kill himself sues him, and the train full of people that got hurt sue him. Like that's that's insane. And that is the world that uh, that Sam Wilson has to deal with now. Is he's got to deal with this world where the leader sets something up, the the bad guy sets something up that's going to help a lot of people. He's supposed to stop that? <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely like, you know, a very complicated situation. Uh, sorry, just to go on a tangent, like with Superman, I see how they went that route with like Man of Steel and everything after that. But I still think that the Superman fantasy you know you could still have people distrust him but as long as he remains like the op optimistic do-gooder i think those stories can still be told in a modern way still and have him maintain the essence of his character like the new show adventures of superman uh succeeds at but yeah with sam wilson yeah, it's like he's out. he's doing with um you know people really are questioning whether He's doing a great job as Captain America. You know, some people were really used to Steve Rogers and there are reasonable criticisms and unreasonable 
criticisms and it's you know the unreasonable ones are very unfortunate and it's just he's in a position where he can't win at least not right away you know yeah and then you look at the the cynicism of life if if you can't yeah. win have you have you you have by definition you have lost so you come out as a superhero great awesome you got your rad suit you got your mask <laughs> you got your shield okay you come in you kick the door in and you still lose well now my door is in shambles and the bad guy still got away so who's going to pay for this front door yeah, and I mean, they had to address the damages with, like, the Sokovia Accords several years ago, and even that was kind of, it kind of felt like they didn't define that very well, but it was an attempt at trying to go deeper with that sort of thing back then. Yeah, which I do value and appreciate. I just, I, I guess that's my my personal rant, is that I think that Superman is inherently uninteresting because he is a straight up hero fantasy that doesn't really work in a more complicated scenario if you're trying to gauge something like i mean i gotta get your thoughts because we haven't talked about this after the movie yet what do you think about uh about the leader's big plan is is he wrong and if he's wrong if he's not wrong uh then is he the bad guy and if he's not the bad guy then is sam does that by definition make sam wilson the bad guy leader wants to basically uh inflict like a gamma radiation virus on everyone to see who can adapt and it's basically like a survival of the fittest type thing and he's also curious like how would this affect some of the people with mutations around the world because you know they're dipping their toes into like yeah slowly like x-men pretty soon yeah exploring more of the mutants of the marvel universe and you know a lot of that is driven by his own curiosity you know he's an intellectual first and foremost and just wants to see what happens and how will the world change um and also to like address like the types of stories that can be told with these characters like something i was thinking of recently within the last couple of days is that it would be so much easier to tell certain stories if we just didn't have them set on earth with like all the baggage and whatnot and just always had it on like a fictional world like you could still have like sure. some of the complexities but having things in like real places and uh like during modern times and having to like reflect some of that it's like there's a lot of baggage there so like setting things on like a different world entirely makes some of that a bit easier which sure it's like why why do we keep relying on earth so much like i know right what you know is a thing but like earth yeah or even just (laughs) yeah absolutely even even just the idea of like you know put this in a in a near future i mean look at look at a movie like uh equilibrium um or uh, even something like like aeon flux uh v for vendetta i'm just i mean i know i very much just dated myself with the things off the top of my head but yeah it's like by by having them in in something that is supposed to be earth or or close earth uh it definitely means that you're not able to ask some of the it makes it a lot harder to ask some of the questions that would be easier if you could be like, all right, alien society, but they've got this problem that's similar to ours, so we can focus on that. And also, like, people were comparing Leader's plan to 
The Incredibles, which is funny that you mentioned that movie just now. You know, the whole thing of if everyone is super, nobody is. And um, what'd you think of how, like, how everything unfolded as it all built to this ending of this movie and set the stage for, uh, I guess, little teases of what's to come? I mean, I'm I'm stoked. Um, We're going to have a great time because now we've got any number of people who have this gamma situation going on uh so honestly i'm i'm gonna go out i don't think that this is a, a super stretch to say that hey is this uh is this the x-men twist that we're looking for is this the thing that unlocks the x gene and and uh uh what's what's the word that they call them not uh homo habilis uh homo oh, homo superior homo superior there that's the one uh are we finally getting our homo superior that's uh, you know hey i would not be upset i'm very okay with that but also that just you know opens us up to a, a whole new world of questions of yeah a brave new world one might say ah uh, uh, i see what you did there <laughs> i see what you did there i don't know i'm stoked i think that uh, marvel's got a lot of a lot of cards in their in their hand and they've got a lot of interesting things they could play and they are absolutely guaranteed to be continuing to force a new product down our throat every four months. <laughs> so, you know, eventually we'll get one that's worth watching. Yeah, uh, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I mean, these things keep flying at you and it's like you want to enjoy all of them, but it's just not always going to happen. You know. Yeah. If, if you want my uh, this may be blasphemous for some people. But if while DC we're on the subject of things and too much, better than Marvel. You watch your mouth, sir. <laughs> uh, I was going to say it. It is because of that that I'm Star Wars out. Oh, okay. As part of being a classic nerd, you know, if you're if you've if you've been a nerd at any time past what 1970, when did the first one come out? 77. Uh, if you've been a nerd past 1977, you to some degree have been required to be a Star Wars nerd or at least a Star Wars fan, but. There was there was a point after Disney buys Lucasfilm that just like they do with Marvel, they start pumping out boom, 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 boom. Here's the new Star Wars thing. People are like, oh well, you know what you should do? You should watch Clone Wars. No, not the not the old Clone Wars, the new Clone Wars. Oh, well, you also got to watch this. Oh, hey, did you catch season two of Mandalorian? Oh, also it ties in with things from Ahsoka Tano and from Clone Wars and from and from and from and from. At some point, it's like, come on, I. You know, great. I'm glad people are enjoying it. But when you are, if there if there is always something that you could watch at any point, and there's no, there's no shortage of it. There's nothing special about watching that thing now because there are five different things that are going on at any one time with five different degrees of of importance and relevance, and they may or may not be good. And why am I, why why? Yeah. So there are some points I agree with there. Um... Personally, I think the Clone Wars, like the 2008 show, is peak content. Um, everyone should watch it, and Rebels is a great show as well. But um, I think the New Republic era Star Wars shows, like th- they, it's ridiculous that you're required to watch them in a certain order. And I think that once that era is done, they should just make more star wars shows that are each set in different eras don't connect at all to each other and are just you know their own thing in their own eras and because 
with the expanded universe of Star Wars, I loved how you could jump around to different eras, like thousands of years back, a hundred years back, a hundred years yeah, forward. Absolutely. So I want that to be exploited to the fullest on the screen and not try to do this mini version of the MCU. I, I totally get the feeling of being Star Wars out. For me, it's kind of different. Like I still keep up with the shows and even like the comics and the books and all that stuff. But I'm tired of seeing people post about Star Wars. <laughs> so for yeah. me, it's like kind of different. Like I want to keep continuing to experience the things and have discussions with people about each Star Wars thing that comes out. But I'm tired of seeing people post about Star Wars on all my feeds. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I feel like, I feel like from the perspective of an artist, and I mean, you would, you would probably say the same as, as a, as an improviser, as a creator, as a storyteller, um, is I feel like if you set up a world where there could be a thousand different stories, why are you requiring every single one of these stories to be connected to this 30 year gap of history, 50 year gap of history, every single one of these stories is gonna, you know, it's gonna have a Skywalker in it. It's gonna have a Jedi. And that Jedi is, it turns out that that Jedi is the long lost brother of so-and-so, <laughs> who is actually the cousin of so-and-so. Who, yeah. Oh, you know, there was a time that he fought that guy back on, on the on the planet of, of Hootie Woody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all those things. And that's where you get lines like, somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah. <laughs> like, you couldn't have told any other story so many stories you could have told and you had to pick this one right <laughs> you've got and i mean yeah extended universe uh is what's it called now star wars legends yeah. like we we had 30 actual human years of people writing other stories in the star wars universe and they're like well we're gonna toss all that out we're going right back to just recreate the last 30 years yeah, and to be fair, they've been expanding a bit more these last couple of years with High Republic content, which has been pretty good. But again, I want the on-screen stuff to branch out too, which the, I feel like they're doing slowly. Like the Acolyte show being High Republic era, but at the very end of High Republic, so it's only like 100 years before Phantom Menace. And it's like, I feel like by this point, we should have already had like five shows that each event like one takes place twenty thousand years ago one is a thousand years ago one is a hundred years ago one is maybe a hundred years forward like we should have gotten that already but it feels like they're playing it safe utilizing the types of characters that we're familiar with yeah. and compare that to another open world like um like any of the dungeons and dragons worlds or um, even something like like Warcraft or um, or 40k, uh, you've got open worlds where people can, if people want to write a write a Forgotten Realms book, great, they can, they can do that. These stories might have connecting characters, and they might not, and it totally works. Look at something like, uh, I mean, the works of Terry Pratchett. He he writes this book series, Discworld. And sure, there are there are plot lines in there that connect. You might have you know four or five books in a row that are that are directly chronological. But then he's going to write another book that's going to be on the opposite side of the planet and doesn't interact in any way. It's on a totally different continent. Doesn't have any of the same characters. They might mention that there's another city named that thing. But you know what? We don't have to go there. We don't have to know anything about that. 
you can tell new stories. And I would love to see Hollywood tell new stories rather than just milking the same cow. Like that's what I'm trying to do with my own self-published books. Like they're all in the same world, but like, and a couple characters do carry over from time to time, but trying to make it so that they can be read in any order and um, sometimes different planets and interesting so yeah i didn't know you were working on that can are you are you able to tell me more if you signed a non-disclosure with yourself (laughs) myself first one is a fantasy horror comedy novel about college students dealing with werewolves a vampire and a serial killer and scariest of all loans and and the second one which came out recently um first one is called uh lemons loom like rain the second one's called trespassing through the visages so it's fantasy horror and comedy again but it has more sci-fi uh and again it has like some serial killers but also like some alien characters and it kind of explores some of the more cosmic stuff and the next one that i want to put out will take place on a different planet altogether. uh yeah that's basically the gist of it. it's under the standalones and stepping stones uh, umbrella like series title Excellent. Uh, you know, now that you mentioned the title, I do recall you mentioning Lemon's Loom Like Rain. So it's glad to, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've, you know, been able to make more progress in that. Yeah. But um, what do you think of the credit scenes for uh, Brave New World? Like, w- which of these was your favorite, I, I guess? I'm a sucker for a cute dog doing anything. So I don't want to spoil it for everybody. But if you like cute dogs stay through the credits because there's a really great just funny little scene with a with a little dog um and i didn't have a good eye for it uh but i think he's the same dog that we saw a couple of points throughout the movie yeah i've seen posts about that yeah who doesn't i uh, i mean hey is it a cheap marketing gimmick yes does it work <laughs> absolutely people love a cute dog yeah i mean hey years ago i infamously said that inception would have been better if they had a dog on the team you know interesting (laughs) yeah he would be he would be the mainstay throughout all the memories because of course everyone would remember exactly who this dog is right isn't there uh i mean on the dc side isn't one of the red lanterns a cat i wouldn't be surprised like i feel like there's a lantern for everything yeah not even not even like a it's not even like a alien ish humanoid cat it's just like straight up just a cat yeah i'll have to look that up um but the other credit scene was basically just bucky and sam in the drive-thru of a jack-in-the-box which funny enough i have like a coke from jack-in-the-box in my hand but um yeah it was just like them like trying to get their order right and the person on the uh, drive through window is just getting it wrong and it's like this supposed to be this funny back and forth thing and it it was fine like uh, i kind of feel like by this point that they're probably thinking you know people are probably tired of credit scenes that set up really important things so we'll just make them jokes from now on yeah just We're- having having the bit like like the callback to um to the shawarma bit from the first avengers yeah you know what yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go through this drive-through and we're gonna sit here and we're gonna eat our chili dogs. Yeah, which I mean, it was kind of refreshing that unlike some of the other recent stuff, they didn't end by having them show up on Battle World for Secret War, and they didn't have any multiverse stuff in this 
movie. So it was refreshing in some ways. Yeah, to just have a have a straight line. Yeah, I think I think multiverse for all of that it's it's fun and open up options. At at other times it can be a little little too much for for too many stories. Yeah. So what are your final thoughts and score out of 10 and do you know of measurement for that score? Okay, here's what I'm going to say. This may be this may be too much. This may be too little. I'm going to say 8 out of 10. Uh I enjoy the buddy cop duo bit. I really enjoy the idea of having a villain who isn't I, who's complicated, who may or may not be the bad guy. And I like having a hero who recognizes that. I think that's really great. Uh, and we are going to compare that to everything that's been going on recently, but we're also going to compare that to uh, the DC universe and things that are going on over there. And as everybody in the world is trying to make more interesting, complex characters, we've got interesting, complex characters. We've got a cute dog. How can you say no to that? I feel like maybe eight out of 10 feels too strong. We're going to say seven. We're going to say a seven. I'm going to say it's a recommend. Okay. And what's your unit of measurement for that score? So like it could be an object related to the movie or whatever. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's, should we use thumbs? Uh, seven stars we're gonna say it's stars <laughs> yeah from from his shield yeah yeah oh yeah there we go seven seven shields <laughs> all right nice yeah i think this for me is a 7.5 out of 10 uh chili dogs because they mentioned chili dogs um i i think that this like i said it's refreshing in some ways I do appreciate the return of characters that we hadn't seen since the Incredible Hulk and also seeing Harrison Ford in the Thaddeus Ross role. He did a pretty good job with what he was given. Um, There were some things about the plot that I feel were kind of hit and miss Uh, in some places kind of convoluted. So it's like, wait, what's going on type thing? Yeah, all Um, the globetrotting, as we've noted. Yeah, but I do think I enjoyed this. Uh, this might be controversial, but I enjoyed this more than Civil War. Uh, okay. not, but not as much as First Avenger or Winter Soldier or even Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We'll definitely note that, yeah, Civil uh, not Civil War, uh, Winter Soldier is definitely still peak Captain America. Mm. Yeah. I like, and that, and kind of really in good. line with that idea of having complicated bad guys who are doing. You understand why they're doing what they're doing. And even though we don't agree with the whole fascist agenda, it's interesting to see him taking on a whole system rather than like, you're the bad guy. You're not trying to rob the bank. You're trying to kill 10 people. It's you've yeah. got a thousand guys with you. Cause they all think this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, leader is even like, Oh, the Hulk, I don't really care about him anymore. I'm just doing my own thing, focusing on changing the system. <laughs> If anything, like he's going to be bros with Hulk because because obviously we know from uh, the events of uh, She-Hulk that Hulk is right. AFK for for a hot minute. So even if he does come back, yeah, the leader's got got no beef with the Hulk. Right. Yeah. So yeah, they'll do it. Uh, thanks for joining me again, Austin. And you had uh, something improv related you want to plug? A couple of things coming up, actually. Uh, I So I work with a, a group called the Improv Collective at a, a theater in Costa Mesa. Um, and um, we got a bunch of different teams, but we are there uh, every Friday and Saturday at 930. 
um, teams that I'm, I particularly am performing soon. Um, I have a show with my team Instant Improv we have coming up on the 17th. Um, and another team, if you like uh, an improvised genre play, um, we're doing that on the 18th. And then if you want to participate, if you like improv and you want uh, coaching and stage time and a uh, way to, to get in the crowd with uh, with other Orange County people, um, we have auditions coming up for IFL, um, which is an absolute blast. That's coming up uh, November 18th and the 25th at 3 p.m. Um, you can find all that information is online, improvcollective.fun. We pay extra for the dot .fun uh, so that you don't have to. Nice. Yeah, and I'll put that link in the show notes for the episode as well. Right. So, yeah, thanks for joining me again. And Absolutely. Without... Stephen, thanks for having me. Yeah, and without further delay, have a good day. You do the very same. <laughs> okay, so now for the plugs before the other me gives his reviews. Uh, I, I already plugged my books, so there you go. I'm also at Stephen Schinder on Instagram, X threads um i was kind of mia there for a while but slowly picking back up a little bit but maybe i'll disappear again i don't know uh steven shitter storytelling on facebook you can also find my letterbox and goodreads which will be in the show notes and you can email delayed replay via delayed replay podcast at gmail.com let us know your thoughts on cute dogs, I guess. I'm also on a podcast slash vlog called Yes Shift, which I do with my dad. We talk about Yes and its members um, and people who have worked with them. We recently put out a review of the Keith Emerson Variations box set and uh, 40th anniversary retrospective on Yes's 90125 album, and there will be other interviews coming up in the near future if you're at all interested in any of that. And you can, um, I think that's pretty much everything. So, yeah, the other me will give his thoughts in a moment about comic booky stuff of this week. I mean, what a huge week i mean even just over here like captain america brave new world for veterans day weekend and there's also a bunch of other stuff over there it's it's wild so uh without further delay here's the other steven all right hey everyone this is steven from that universe where things got delayed so for me the marvels just came out and there's also some other stuff like Doom Patrol and Loki just finished. And I'm also watching Invincible. And I may talk about The Room after all those, or the screening I went to at least. But yeah, non-spoiler thoughts for pretty much all of these. Well, for the Marvels, I might go into a couple spoiler things, but I'll give a warning before I do. So, first off, DC's Doom Patrol, the best live-action DC TV show, just ended on Thursday, and it was very emotional. I, I was pretty, you know, it really tugged at the heartstrings where it left 
everyone and everything. I did see people saying that they wish that a couple other characters had been able to be in the finale, and I do agree with that. But I think they still did really well with what they had. You know, this was a show that told stories about down-to-earth characters and not-so-down-to-earth scenarios. You know, these are characters who are considered outsiders and, uh, you know, you get ridiculous-sounding names like Robot Man, uh, Negative Man, um, Elastic Girl, um, well, Elasta Woman in this TV show, I guess because of Pixar's The Incredibles being a thing, uh, even though DC's Elasta Girl came first, but anyway, and Crazy Jane and uh, all these other characters, uh, you know, the, Michelle Gomez, who played Missy on Doctor Who, played Madame Rouge on this show, and uh, earlier in the series, Alan Tudyk played the villain. Uh, Mr. Nobody, and they, they've had Timothy Dalton as Niles Calder. Uh, like this, you know, you get a lot of great actors here. You know, Brendan Fraser as Robot Man, Cliff Steele, uh, and he, Matt Bomer as Larry Trainer. you know, Negative Man. Uh, but also, like, these characters with masks, of course, have their doubles who uh, put on those outfits and you know these actors like add their voices but for characters like Rita Farr and Crazy Jane like they play as themselves and uh, but point being this was a very talented cast and crew and it got really weird they encountered some really strange villains including animal vegetable mineral man and all sorts of really bonkers scenarios, uh, and it was just a lot of fun, but it also touched on very important issues like mental health, uh, LGBTQ issues, uh, some, uh, you know, di disabilities, and mortality and immortality. You know, this was a very deep show, as ridiculous as the premise might seem on the surface, and I honestly can't imagine that there will be any other live-action DC show in the near future that'll be this great and this deep. And I'm glad that it was given an ending. It has finality. Uh, I still really wish that all the people I, I had told uh, about this show had watched it. I hope they still do. Like, even though it's over, like, maybe... Now that it is over and it's only four seasons, maybe that'll encourage people to be like, okay, it's a complete package and not too many seasons, so finally check it out. But it's it's such a great show, and I can't say enough great things about it. Unfortunately, there's still some Doom Patrol comics I've yet to get through. I'm still in the mid-2000s run I still like I've heard the Gerard Way run is really good the Grant Morrison run was amazing and I also liked the pulpiness of the 60s stuff uh, but yeah this was an incredible show incredible team incredible performers and you know artists that worked on this series and I'm 
uh, I miss it. Like it ended the other day, and I miss this show. And but I'm glad that it happened, and we got more seasons than we might have expected. Like given the things stacked against it, you know, this was not as mainstream of a show as like you know it didn't have as big of an audience as many people talking about it at least in my circles so the fact that i got four seasons is something i'm very grateful for and yeah people can go ahead and watch the whole thing on max whenever they can um hopefully they don't do any stupid tax write-off thing or whatever and like remove it but anyway uh yeah go see it like as soon as you can if only for fear of that happening you know so yeah that's doom patrol very happy with it uh, incredible i can't say enough good things about it and then also on thursday i went and saw the marvels at the theater and this was just a day after the actors strike ended and reached an agreement uh, so I went to see the Marvels, uh, cause, and I, I got like a free popcorn cause it had been my birthday recently. I also got a Pepsi with that, um, you know, bought a Pepsi. And so this was a movie I was looking forward to. Uh, I know there are people, people online have this stupid fascination with putting down anything Captain Marvel related. Uh, when I watched that movie four years ago, uh, I went back and looked at my review and I, I said that it was good. Like, I guess I liked it more than I remembered, but thinking back to it all this time later, like in my head, I think, okay, yeah, that movie was fine. It did have issues in the beginning where it kind of jumped around and stuff. Uh, the explanation for Fury's eye is ridiculous. Like, those are pretty much all my critiques. I didn't really have a problem with anything else. And this movie, The Marvels, uh, you know, I, I was looking forward to it. Uh, it got delayed for from, like, I think summer to November, but it didn't feel like that big of a delay to me. And I think the beginning does have similar issues where if kind of jumps around and it gets a little confusing there are moments throughout where it feels like they edited sequences that would have made things play a bit smoother uh like i think maybe an extra five minutes for that sort of thing might have improved the pacing a bit maybe they did this because they thought it would help the pacing but it was just something i noticed and as far as prerequisites go uh, this follows threads from a few different, uh, you know, Marvel projects, shows, but I, I would say the major ones, the, the one you have to absolutely have watched, you know, obviously Captain Marvel, uh, you get introduced to a kid, Monica Rambeau, in there, and she does appear as an adult in WandaVision, and you see how she gets her abilities in that show. But I feel like this movie, like, if you have not seen WandaVision, it does a nice job of explaining the bare bones of how she got her abilities, and you still already know the character from the Captain Marvel 
movie. And so I feel like if you've only seen her in that movie, this new one uh, acts as a nice reintroduction to her as an adult. And you might watch it and be like, oh, I want to go back and watch WandaVision and see what happened there. Although uh, I'd be kind of surprised if people listening to this have not seen WandaVision already. Uh, It was a great show for the most part. It fumbled with the ending, in my opinion, but still great stuff and really cool uh, post-credit and mid-credit scenes. Um, Well, one of those was cool. Anyway, the, the stuff connected to the Marvels was, you know, that a tease for the Marvels was cool. Uh, but the show Ms. Marvel, I, I would say absolutely watch that before watching this. Because uh, I'm not sure how invested one will feel in Kamala Khan uh, just from watching this movie without having seen her journey in the show. And the show is really good. I really enjoyed the show Ms. Marvel. And just as a side note, I totally forgot to watch The Marvelous Ms. Maisel in the lead-up to The Marvels just for the bit. Uh, like, I was thinking of doing that just to be funny, but... And, you know, I've been told I should watch that show, but maybe sometime soon. Um, so, yeah, definitely Ms. Marvel. Uh, Secret Invasion, I feel like, you know, was a terrible show, and I don't... Th- you know, there are scrolls in this and Nick Fury is in this but it honestly feels like Secret Invasion didn't even happen like I didn't notice you know the show was forgettable to me but I even so like I I didn't notice any connection to Secret Invasion in fact I even saw somewhere that something in this movie contradicts something in Secret Invasion so I don't know it kind of feels like they're separate entities but yeah you totally don't need to watch secret invasion uh before this so uh, there might be other connections but ms marvel is definitely the must watch prerequisite i would say but i'd be curious to and you know captain marvel as well but i'd be curious to hear what are people's experiences with this movie as their introduction to ms marvel you know do they get a little bit lost but then think okay i enjoyed this i want to go back or like what's the experience there i'm really curious uh but yeah this was a fun movie uh it you know it does have its flaws but nothing at all like the stupid criticisms that you see online where people are like, oh, this is terrible. I even heard that someone said worst movie ever, which just makes me think that that person has not seen many movies. Um, There is a sequence that's cute, but also kind of disgusting, but also hilarious. So I I can see maybe the disgusting aspect, maybe putting some people off. But I thought the chemistry was great between these three lead actresses playing Monica, Carol, and Kamala. Uh, Kamala does have a couple, you know, she gets really fangirl-ish around Carol Danvers, 
which is understandable given you know if you've seen Ms. Marvel and you know uh what she enjoys like talking about and cosplaying and whatnot but there there were some funny lines but also a couple of really cringe lines um there's one during a handshake moment i thought was really cringe and could have been cut but i i still think you know the characters do grow a bit over the course of the movie but it maybe feels a little bit rushed perhaps because of the runtime you know this is an hour 45 minutes which is kind of refreshing you know life is busy and uh you don't want some movies to just eat up like two and a half hours if they don't need to so i kind of appreciated that but yeah i still think this was a fun movie even though if it's not like top tier or peak you know, I had a fun time going out to the theater for this, and there I I went to the earliest showing on that Thursday, and there were only a few of us there. And granted, it's a Thursday afternoon, but I have seen that this might be the lowest opening weekend for an MCU movie, so I don't know what's going on there, but um, like hopefully it'll pick up but yeah overall i thought this was uh to me it's a 7.5 out of 10 uh what do i want my unit of measurement to be um flurkins uh so yeah uh, it didn't really reach the 8 out of 10 feel to me but again i still had a enough fun and enjoyable enough time so 7.5 i think feels right you know in terms of post endgame mcu movies the 9 out of 10s for me are the spider-man sequels um, and even you know outside the mcu across the spider-verse would be about a nine and shang chi it's also a nine um this is maybe around where i'd rank uh black widow i don't remember if i ever gave that a numerical score but i think that one kind of felt like a seven or so to me um so this might be like kind of around there although very different tones (laughs) these two movies uh which is cool I definitely enjoyed this more than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I gave that one a six. Uh, more than Thor, Love and Thunder, I gave that one a five. It was pretty mediocre, painfully unfunny movie. More than Eternals, which I thought was really boring, and the characters like didn't really stand out. Like I f- forgot who half of them were. I think I gave that like a four or five. It's my least favorite MCU film. Uh, what else has come out over here post Endgame? Um, I think I enjoyed most of the Disney Plus Marvel shows uh, than this. Uh, Ms. Marvel, definitely better. Um, Secret Invasion, I gave a 4 out of 10. So this is definitely better than that. But as far as other Marvel shows, I think... Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm enjoying the 
Disney Plus shows, most of them anyway, uh, more than the average person. Uh, Moon Knight, uh, I'm in the minority of giving that out a 4 out of 10, I think. Uh, so that's down there, uh, way down there as well. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the closest to a 10 out of 10, I'd say. So this is definitely not on that level. Uh, although funny enough, there is a moment that feels kind of like a repeat of something that happens in Guardians. Um, I think I gave Wakanda Forever a 7 to 7.5. Uh, I was reminded of Wakanda Forever because uh, in this movie, I was wondering if the experience of being introduced to Ms. Marvel here would be similar to being introduced to Ironheart in Wakanda Forever. Because uh, while watching Wakanda Forever, I was kind of wishing that we'd gotten the Ironheart series first and then had her in uh, Wakanda Forever. Um, and I'm sure people can compare that to Spider-Man and Civil War, but that's a different case, I would say. Like, Spider-Man is super popular. Everyone already knows his history. So, yeah, uh, again, just a, just a little similarity i noticed and uh so before going into spoilers just uh i really like what this movie sets up for the future so it does make me look forward to some of the things to come so yeah right now i'm gonna go into spoilers look in the show notes for the timestamps for when i get past them and yeah, so spoilers coming now. Okay, so also another thing that happened in the Marvels was a scene where they go to a planet where everyone speaks in song, so it feels like a classic Disney musical. And I kind of wish they'd gone further with this. Like, I could definitely tell that certain people... Like, you know, the dude bros of the internet are going to cringe at this scene, but I wish that they had gone further with this scene. It, it felt too brief and, like, it didn't tap into its full potential, but alas. One of the credit scenes involves a Kamala going to uh, the place from the Hawkeye TV show where... Kate Bishop and the dog are at and she does the Nick Fury thing almost word for word and it it's really funny but after the fact I wondered how does she know like these words word for word it feels like she watched Iron Man within the MCU which doesn't really make sense so until further explanation my current headcanon is that Nick Fury wrote out different scripts for, like, how he should approach Tony Stark. And then he tucked them all into the drawer, and Kamala found the drawer and the script that he ended up using. And just memorized that, basically. And, uh, yeah, this is setting up Young Avengers, finally. You know, in this universe where there's uh, a break between 2019 and 2021... Uh, you know, that break didn't help because it, fe it feels like it's been very hurry up and wait when it comes to Young Avengers, even though they've been introducing characters like Ironheart, America Chavez. Um, in this credit scene, they explicitly mention Ant-Man's daughter. And they may have mentioned someone else as 
well. But yeah, the Young Avengers are on the way, finally. And it's really nice to see that they're finally acknowledging this and showing that they're committing to this and that it'll finally happen at some point. Um, But I do still wonder whether Spider-Man would be part of this or whether he'll remain a solo act. So very curious to see where this goes. And the other credit scene, the one that made me yell out loud, oh my gosh, when I saw it in the theater, was... Uh, So, at the end of this movie, Monica Rambeau ends up in another universe, and this is a universe that includes X-Men. So, you see Beast uh, with the lab coat, but he still has, like, the blue skin and fur. I think he's CGI here, but it's Kelsey Grammer's voice. Really cool that they brought him back. Um, I've been watching the Frasier revival, and... I think overall it's average, but it's had some poignant moments in certain episodes, but also some very average and typical moments in episodes. So I'm enjoying it, but it could be a bit better. Um, But anyway, uh, this, again, the X-Men have also felt hurry up and wait. You know, we got a little hint of them at the end of Ms. Marvel, but now it's like they're finally full steam ahead. So it really feels like the Marvels is showing us that, yes, these things are happening. Like, your waiting is paying off. We are committed to making these happen in the MCU. So I'm very curious to see where this goes. And uh, Monica's mother, who's, you know, dead in the main universe, but is alive in this other universe, apparently as a Captain Marvel. It's really interesting setup as well. So I really love what this movie sets up. It gets me really excited. Uh, But yeah, so uh, fun movie and great setup for future stuff. Uh, The box office, we'll just have to see how that goes for this movie. But the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe's dying narrative is a load of crap. So yeah, so that's the end of spoilers for that here. So after seeing the movie, I went home and I remembered, oh yeah, the Loki series finale is on. So no spoilers for what happens, but it leaves things in an interesting place and really makes you curious, like, how are things going to play out now with the other stuff coming up in this multiverse saga? And... Loki is a strange show in that I can see all the work being put into it. You know, it's visually looks great. It doesn't feel like they're relying on too much CGI. Um, And, you know, it just feels like a real show or a real drama. Like, it's really doing interesting things with the characters but it's a show where i can see all the effort but it i also feel like detached from all the stuff that's going on um and also you know the uh, controversy with a certain actor you know i don't know what's happening with that but yeah the the ending like was interesting at least and again set up for uh, 
things to come, I guess, in the near future really gets one curious in the MCU. Um, as far as other comic book shows, I've also been watching Invincible Season 2. Only the first two episodes of that have come out so far, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, they do introduce something that's been kind of popping up in some other things and uh, feeling really repetitive, but that was just in the premiere episode and the second episode of this season I liked uh, a bit more and just all the stuff that they're doing with the characters and it's you know I I'm glad to have this show back it's it's great and it makes me want to continue forward from where I left off in the comics some years ago so yeah those episodes have been coming out on Fridays and um uh, also, later that same day, you know, last night, I went to see The Room, you know, not Room, starring Brie Larson, which is a pretty good movie, uh, definitely watch that, but, but yeah, I went to a screening of The Room, the Tommy Wiseau movie with friends. First of all, I know this is going long, so I won't spoil The Room, but... Uh, yeah, I went with friends to uh, see a screening of it at Landmark Cinemas in Los Angeles. And uh, there were a bunch of The Room fanatics there. It is really wild. And Tommy Wiseau was there as well. Um, he was kind of standing behind this like plastic booth or box type thing and game pictures with people and I think he was also wearing gloves so uh there uh were concessions but it was like a like movie theater price so I, I just got a cider and so I sat down with my friends uh toward the front I think we were in the second row or something like that maybe, maybe third I don't know but before the screening um you know, as we were all sitting there, uh, Tommy came out to do a Q&A, so several people lined up to ask him questions, like, what's your inspiration, or where are you from, uh, how do you get into this and that, and his response was almost always, like, who cares, like, he gives these non-answers, and uh, the close, like, he did say that, oh, you inspire me, like, that was just... A quick answer to one of them but uh someone else asked if they could be in his movie and he said to talk to this other person who i guess is associated with him uh and yeah so it was really strange that they do they allow this q a but he just gives all these non-answers and it's pretty much just for it feels like it's just for the bit and just for the laughs and whatever um, so this screening was one of the wildest screenings I've ever been to. Um, everyone brought plastic spoons. Uh, my friends brought a bunch as well. Because during the movie, there are moments where you see a spoon or a picture of a spoon. So whenever that happened, uh, people would throw the plastic spoons toward the front. And like toward the screen, but not at the screen. And 
it was kind of fun for a little bit, but then it got to a point where, like, okay, a couple of these spoons are hitting me, and there are people who even threw plastic forks, and it's like, that's really dangerous. Um, so, the, you know, everyone had this lively energy, but it got, there were some funny lines in this movie that, you know, it was not done the best way. You, in this movie, you, again, no spoilers, but you could tell that there was a lot of ADR, uh, like dubbing the dialogue after the fact, um, over when it was originally said. And it was so obvious, um, the, it wasn't as, the movie itself wasn't as awkward as I imagined. Like, the only thing I'd seen from this was the flower shop scene, which I thought was funny. Um, the love scenes weren't as terror, weren't as awkward as I thought they would end up being, although the songs I would play during these love scenes were louder than they'd typically be in these types of scenes, I think. And there must have been like three or four of these within the span of a half hour early in the film. And this is a 90 minute film. Uh, thankfully, like nothing too explicit. Um, I mean, IMDb, there's a parent's guide. You can, like, look at that if you're kind of um, cautious or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, like, there were awkward moments, sure. But apart from that, um, you know, the acting is very... <laughs> it's ridiculously done... Uh, but also, this felt to me, like, in terms of the look of the apartment or whatever type of place it is, you know, with the red walls, and some of the types of conversations and the strange, unexplained occurrences, it felt kind of like a David Lynch movie in a way, but without the supernatural elements, it felt like things just sort of happen, or, like, certain things however, would be really repetitive, and things would happen, like, not in the way that you would logically expect, but, I, I mean, the ending of the movie, I mean, it was, it got really dramatic, and I was really blown away, <laughs> um, so this movie was not as terrible as I was expecting it to be, um, I do think it kind of lived up to the hype, but again, with the crowd, like, sometimes they would be reciting the lines as they were happening, so I was able to hear some funny lines, but other funny lines would be drowned out by the audience, and I got kind of annoyed by that, because uh, I wanted to experience this thing firsthand, you know, from the movie, um, and whenever... Like, the audience had all these weird bits. Like, whenever you see these shots of the city, you know, of San Francisco, which I thought were really nice shots, uh, you know, you'd see the cars on the Golden Gate Bridge, and they'd be like, go, 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 go. And when a random character shows up in the movie after 
a certain actor had left the production, uh, everyone just kept saying, who are you, whenever the character appears. Apparently the character's name is Steven, which is interesting. Um, the friends I went with uh, were uh, Keon, Jenny, and another friend of theirs name, also named Steven. Uh, not the Keon who's been on this show, but a different Keon. And, and I think Keon had seen Tommy a couple times before over the last several years. But uh, yeah, this crowd was really wild. And there were a couple things mentioned by characters in the movie that you would think would be important throughout the movie, but just don't ever get mentioned again. Like a, a certain disease that someone has like is, is mentioned once and then it's never a factor again whatsoever in the movie um but yeah i, I it, it was an entertaining watch for the most part i would say um i rate things based on how much i enjoy them not in terms of like quote-unquote objective quality i don't really believe in that sort of thing uh, for the most part anyway so I would give The Room 7 out of 10 spoons, because of course it would be spoons. Um, it's It really has to be seen to be believed. <laughs> like, just, yeah, it's, I don't really know that I can say more and, like, do justice to, like, what a strange film this is. But um, I didn't have a a terrible time. There are just like little things here and there I was kind of annoyed about. Um, oh, and before the movie started, there was a trailer for his, uh, Tommy's newer movie, Big Shark, which looks ridiculous. Uh, looks like a, there's like a flooded city and a giant CGI shark and he and some other people going up against it or something. Um, it, it was... So the room... Uh, started playing at 8 p.m., ended around 9.30. I think Big Shark was going to be starting at 10.30. And I think we briefly considered seeing it, but we ended up going to a Thai restaurant instead. It's called Thai Emporium. It's across the street from the Nimoy Theater, which is named after Leonard Nimoy. And the food at this Thai restaurant was really good. We got like a, I think a sort of beef curry and a honey crisp duck. Um, what else? We got the, um, oh, the pad thai chicken. For dessert, we had these donuts that felt like little cinnamon roll things. Uh, so, like, you know, those mini cinnamon roll things and... Like, this is a really cool place. Like, it, it might have been kind of fun to see Big Shark. Maybe it has some hilarity to it. But I don't regret going to this Thai restaurant. It was a really great dinner. Really great late night dinner. And, you know, the lighting was kind of, you know, it was, like, kind of mysterious. Because, like, the light was, like, a little dimmed, which... Uh, uh, the walls were also red, which kind of reminded me of the room as well, weirdly enough. But, yeah, it's a cool place worth going. Uh, 
So that's pretty much the experience of seeing that screening of the room with a few friends. And yeah, it was a really fun night seeing a movie and then hanging out, eating food afterward. I know it has very little or nothing at all to do with comic book media, but hey, it happened last night. This episode's coming out like uh, right after, you know, today. So might as well just throw it in there and tie a nice bow on a little extra thing on top. So yeah, I guess that's it for now. I'm not sure if there will be something I can talk about next episode, like at the end, but we'll see what happens. So without further delay, have a good day.